happy. Is it hump day or is it Thursday? The day after the hump. (laughs) The downside of the hump we're (laughs) celebrating today. Getting ready to go to the upside tomorrow. Hey, um, it is Give to the Max Day, and we are so delighted here at My Talk to um, be raising money for Alive and Kicking. Um, Just our partner for so many years, and it is Alive and Kicking gives, uh, empowers seniors to be able to be a part of a choral group, to be able to um, entertain and enlighten many different generations. It's an inspirational group, spirited and charismatic characters, and we just love them. And, you know, it was founded in 2010 by a dear friend of ours that has passed, Matthew, Michael Matthew Farrell, and I would always call him Matthew Michael, Michael Jim, every other name, but MMF. Wonderful man. He was wonderful. Remember the first time that we met him? Um, we went over because we were going to do something with them, with Alive the and kicking. kicking. And we went to this church in yes. South Minneapolis, and we met Michael for the first time. And it seemed like the average age was like 78 of people. Like, I mean, there was all ages. Yeah. I mean, I remember there were a couple of ladies, like maybe in their late 60s, but it went into 90s. To 99. Yeah. Plus, they are even saying. Amazing. And it just gives voice to seniors through personal stories, popular song. And they're a... Uh, a rock choral, if you will. They and they perform around the Twin Cities, and we are delighted to be raising money for them today. And you can go to mytalk 1071com keyword give. And here's a little special message from what we're doing. Say you don't care. It's give to the max day. You gotta give. And my talk's raising money for our friends at Alive and Kicking. I just love them so much. We found some of the most commonly misheard lyrics of all time. Oh, you're doing it wrong. And Alive and Kicking's gonna help us out with the right lyrics and the wrong lyrics. That's not how that goes. This hour's <laughs> featured song is We Built This City by Starship. Take it away, Oh, boy, I, I get the lyrics wrong. I, um, we get them all. We always get them wrong. Here are the correct lyrics. We built this city. We built this city on rock and roll. built this city. And I think we've said it in so many different ways because we never know lyrics to anything. Mm-hmm. So this is classic for us. So when we get to $500, mm-hmm. we're... Um, we're about $225 away from okay. unlocking this one. And you can, it's Give to the Max, and I just looked it up a little bit because we've been talking about Give to Max, and it started in 2009 as a I collaborative. when it started. Yeah, a collaborative venture led by Minnesota um, Governor and the Minnesota Community Foundation. It was um, kind of like, can't we have more fundraising money? And if we collectively do it on the same, same day. day. Yeah, it was and a then, very good idea. It's a great idea. Mm-hmm. So, um, you can um, give to the Max Day since it started in 2000. Oh, my God, Lori. I see. I see. <laughs> I see that there are. I don't know what those flying gnats are that are around you right now what? or where they're coming from. But it is genuinely, um, you know, perplexing. I'll okay, call it we're, perplexing. we're digressing for just a quick second because the gnats have followed me since mm-hmm. the summer. Mm-hmm. And I saw one in the garage last night. You just saw an ant earlier today. Where? You said you saw an ant in the double wide. A fly, a gnat. Oh, a, a gnat. A gnat. I thought you said gnat. No, a gnat. Okay. Small ear canals. And, yeah, Loria, small ear canals. <laughs> so they're following me everywhere. And I just saw one. I left my lunchbox at home. 
I've on clean clothes, I promise. I took mm-hmm. a shower. Yeah. It is the weirdest thing. Anywho, back to live and kicking. Yes. I didn't mean I digress because I saw one. But since Give to the Max Day Minnesota has started in 2009, $289.6 million have been raised on this specific day. Yeah. There's tons of charities and nonprofits. It's a day to raise money for them. Our, our one near and dear to our heart is alive and kicking. If you want to donate, we would absolutely love it. And the money is really for them to be able to sing the good songs, you know, because you pay for that and also the transportation to where they're performing. Yes. And, and having rehearsal a, space. We are, yes, exactly. So, you know, it's like no one, no one is, you know, bringing home any kind of anything no. on this, but it is, they, when they go out and perform in the community, I mean, people are just, they love them and, you know, feel fondly because there's a lot of theater, would-be theater kids, would-be chorus kids out there. Discovering maybe, it at 75? Well, Joy, you know, <laughs> yeah. how can people be expected to remember a number that changes all the time? <laughs> Here's the thing I love about it, because I always thought there's a place for me. Right. But these guys can sing. I mean, they, they can sing. sing, but they can always use a tambourine player mm-hmm. or something like that. There you go. Thank you. A, or a triangle. A triangle ringer. <laughs> so alive and kicking. And um, we just saw that Don Spencer gave $25. Thank you, Don. Wendy Schmidt gave a hundred dollars nikki gave fifty dollars in memory of matthew michael farrell it's mike is it michael matthew i say it wrong laurie it's mike it's michael matthew we'll keep that in check he was he was a man he directed us in the project down during broadway musical the musical and then in rockstar yep he also was uh, a big part of it part of that lovely man that passed but you know they have a great team there too and and, you know, I was watching something, and I thought of your mom, Laurie, a second, about hearing aids and about how when you can't hear and your world is enclosed and how you isolate yourself. Mm-hmm. And this gives seniors an opportunity to go out and be a part of community in a different way than you would ever expect. So we just appreciate it. Any little bit it helps. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. Now to the other thing that's happened today. What's that? Our little giraffe that was born on November 6th has a name. Oh, at the Como Zoo? At the Como Zoo. Zinnia is the mother, um, and the Como Zoo gave out three different names for people to vote on mm-hmm. for the new name of the giraffe. Mm-hmm. This giraffe, when it was born um, on about November six, 6th. About a six-footer? It, no, it weighed 132 pounds. Oh. Or was it six feet? I don't know. Oh. It, but it, sta- it sta- stood up by its mom within an hour of their birth because giraffes have a hard time laying down. It's yeah, very yeah, uncomfortable yeah. for their neck. Right. So the new name is Ivy... And um, 17,000 people voted, in, and uh, this is in second place was Dahlia, and in third place was Aster. So they had a so flower, flower. thing. Mm-hmm. And Daisy was a giraffe that passed, so they yeah. continue. So I Zinnia, love Ivy. That's a I wonderful name. I mean, think how great, you know, it's a, Ivy grows up tall. I mean, it's just got all the things. It's... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay. I'm just going to give you one of these. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I agree. That's all. I know. I was just thinking about it. And a giraffe has a very long Long neck. neck. So they're both tall. I was going to say a giraffe (laughs) would look so good with ivy draped around it. But then I thought, oh, the PETA people would be mad at me. So I just stop all that kind of thinking. So I shut off in blonde thought. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I am, we're going to take a break and I'm going to spray some bug spray on myself. Apparently, I'm attracting gnats. If anyone has a reason why, you could email us too. No, please. I'm going don't. crazy. I, Julia, it, it, it's, it's suspicious. Well, that's why I want, yeah. if anyone has the inside 411 in it, please let us know. We'll be right back. Uh, and, okay, we finally have heard it from the woman herself. And we will tell you what that is when we come back. Hey, everybody. Lori and Julia here for Minneapolis Plastic Surgery. There are three surgeons um, with doc- with Minneapolis Plastic Surgery, Dr. Tholen, Dr. Jarvis, and Dr. Singh. And they are board certified with the American Society of Plastic Surgeons. That's the number one thing you want if you are looking, even thinking about plastic surgery. And... Of course, what are the big things, Julia? It's breasts, facelift, nose, nose eyelid, all these types of things. Tummy tucks. And the thing that I have always appreciated, even when we first met Dr. Jarvis and Tholen years ago, was that they do offer complimentary consultation because it can be kind of just a very scary thing. I can't believe I'm thinking about it and all of this. So they know that people want to come in and you can go in, ask your questions, You'll feel real happy. At least you'll know some direction. Absolutely. Um, Minneapolis Plastic Surgery. Chat, call them today. Tell them the girl sent you. Okay, so it seems like everything Dolly, everything Taylor Swift, and pretty soon everything Beyonce mm-hmm. is everything. But Dolly Parton, and this is unusual, I think, sat down with Howard Stern for the, probably the very first time, don't you think? It was her first ever interview with Howard yeah. Stern. And Dolly has her rock album releasing tomorrow and she this album is important to her that people like it because she was talked into this album kind of because she was nominated i think the genesis of it she was nominated for the rock Rock and roll Roll hall Hall of fame Fame and was inducted last year and she's like i don't want to do it i don't deserve it i've never done any rock and roll songs so this was like her thing so she's working with people and doing covers with the original uh, artists. people, artists and stuff and she's going to be everywhere in the next couple of weeks so if you love Dolly and who doesn't you're going to just have a constant stream of Dolly but this is a story that um, I've read you know where Dolly has talked about uh, you know the famously you know she wrote Jolene and I will always love you on the same day, mm-hmm. okay. Two of her biggest hits. Yeah, two of her biggest hits, and um, and I will always love you was written about Porter Wagner because she left his successful TV show. She'd been on it for a number of years, but she wanted to be out on her own, yeah. and she didn't want to be a, one of Porter's yeah. girls or whatever. And he was. Pretty crushed about it. So that was the inspiration for the song. But the story had always been that Elvis Presley wanted to record it and that, uh, you know, that Colonel Tom Parker said, well, Elvis only records songs that he gets publishing uh, rights on. And Dolly's like, well, these these songs are my children. I I can't do that. Never heard Dolly talk about it on the record, not with Barbara Walters or... any other interview? So, in her own words, here's Dolly talking to Howard Stern about her song "I Will Always Love You," which, of course, now people know is Whitney's, you know, amazing song. Presley, who, of course, 
you idolized, I'm sure. Yep. Elvis Presley wanted to record that song, I Will Always Love You. He loved the song. And you told him no. It's so fascinating to me. This guy, Colonel Tom, who was Elvis's manager or whatever you want to call him, Colonel Tom says, uh, Dolly, but you got to give me the publishing. What a crazy move. So you told Colonel Tom no, right? How'd that all go down? Uh, well, I had I was so excited that Elvis was going to record the song. And Elvis's producer at the time, he had called and asked me to come down to the studio. He said, Elvis wants to meet you, and he's going to record. I will always love you. And I was out of my mind with excitement, of course. I mean, just me thinking about Elvis singing my song. And it was the night before, the afternoon uh, before the session the next day that Colonel Tom had called and said, you know that we don't record anything with Elvis unless we have the publishing or at least half the publishing. And I said, well, that's not possible because that is my most important copyright. I've got my own publishing company and that's, you know, I said, I can't do that. He said, well, at least you got to give us half. And I said, I can't do that. And so I, he said, well, then we can't record it. Of course, I cried all night about that. But it was only after Whitney recorded, I was so thankful that I had made that choice because I made a lot of money off of Whitney's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't even believe this story I heard about with Whitney that, is it true you heard it on the radio for the first time? I did. I was coming home from my wow. office uh, from downtown on Music Row to my home in Brentwood, and I was driving at the time. I had my Cadillac. <laughs> it was like a dog, you know, hearing a, a whistle. I, I was saying, what? You know, it's like it was ringing some sort of a bell, but it didn't It didn't dawn on me. By the time I realized it, she was ready to go into the course, and then when she started that, I, I almost wrecked, I, honest to God, had to pull over to the side at a Walgreens, uh, you know, there in Brentwood, where the Walgreens is now, and to listen to the rest of it, and it was the most overwhelming sensation because I couldn't believe my little country sad song you know, could even be done like that, but to hear it like that. And it was just overwhelming. Oh, so now we so are. both of those stories together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, think about it. In 1973, Elvis is huge again. Huge. Huge. The Aloha special has happened. You know, I mean, you know, they're talking about him for the Barbara. I mean, he's huge. And uh, she... Has no real big hits yet. She knows that this is an amazing song. She knows mm -hmm. it, and she just needs someone else to sing it because the lyrics are there. I mean, there is that go. not one of the most incredible songs lyrically? Uh, and she really didn't make any money with that song, though, until The Bodyguard. And when did that come out? 1991 I think it's or 91, two. Yeah, yeah. That, so yeah. she waited <laughs> a long time for that money to come in, yeah. and I'll bet she did think about if because if Elvis had sung that song, the way he can swoop and soar with the song. I mean, he would have. It would have been, been amazing, but yeah. Whitney did everything, and like I said earlier. It's a song about her leaving the Porter Wagner yeah, TV show. Yeah, yeah. It was so a the song emotion to... that she gave to that song yeah. and how perfect. And I'm so glad Kevin Costner fought for that song in The Bodyguard. You know what's funny mm. is on Sherry Shepard's show today, she gave a shout out to the, the singer who sang it on Dancing with the Stars. Very good. And she said it was, she was excellent. She was excellent, really good. excellent because it was Whitney Houston night. 
two nights ago on Dancing with the Stars. And she did. She sang like four or five songs and really amazing. And a couple of the judges said, wow. Yes, you that's can what sing. she said. Because yeah, that that's a hard note to hit. Yeah, rock, I mean, you, I know, you got to keep playing that. that. I mean, Dolly wrote I that song and Jolene, and then she gives an interview with, um, she's doing a lot of interviews. She's everywhere. But she gave an interview with The Guardian, and they asked her, what is the most rock and roll thing that you've ever done? And she said, I've done a few fun things. I've never trashed a room or thrown a TV out a window or anything. The most radical thing I ever did was when Tom Jones was really hot. Me and a bunch of girls had gone out to have a few margaritas at a Mexican restaurant. We got rained out of a shoot. So we spent the afternoon having fun. We all liked him. And his house in L.A. was on the path to the hotel we were staying, the Hotel oh, Beverly Hills. Uh-huh. So they dared me to streak through his yard. So I sne- I streaked through his yard buck naked. He didn't see me, but I did it. That was kind of rock and roll. Okay, that is so much. You can't even do any of that anymore because there's all the the cameras on a doorbell. You can't. I mean, that is a great dare. Yeah, isn't you know? it good? Isn't it good? So anyway. Oh, dolly, dolly, dolly. So there's going to be a lot of good, um, you know, and she recorded Let It Be with Paul McCartney. And we Rainbow heard Star. it. Yeah. We've listened to, and some of them we like and some of them we didn't. But yeah, mm-hmm. she's everywhere. She's everywhere. Yeah. Well, maybe she'll cover R&B next. We'll see. Wow. You know, that wouldn't be a bad choice. I kind of like that. It's a little bit, though, we have had, she is a distinctive voice in her singing. And so I wonder in this Rockstar album, because there's like 22 songs, I would imagine they're not all going to be hits. No. They're not all going to be great. I would imagine you're exactly right. But she is getting her. We are the champions. I love in Paris. that. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a cool campaign they're doing with mm-hmm. NBC. I love that one. Well, she she didn't even really know about. It. She's like, yeah, my people got a call, and oh, the Paris Olympics are going on. I want to use my song. Awesome. <laughs> well, she's. I mean, really, mm-hmm. it's an exciting year for her. Yeah, oh, spent a couple. One she's day, Julia will go to Dollywood. You keep threatening. I know. Uh, um, it's Give to the Max Day here in Minnesota, and we would love it if you went to MyTalk1071, clicked on Give, and gave to our chosen charity for the day a live and kickin'. We'll be right back. Lori and Julia here with Ann Tressler of Tressler Law, dishing about divorce. Ann, do you need a reason to file for a divorce? In the state of Minnesota, you don't need a reason. Minnesota is referred to as a no-fault divorce state. So again, real simple, you don't need a reason. There's language we have in our state statute that says an irretrievable breakdown of the marriage relationship. We simply put that in your initial paperwork. So back in the day, people had to have a reason, and the judge would decide whether or not they would grant the divorce, so whether it was abandonment or adultery or something like that, those things don't matter anymore. But what about cheating? You know, the reality is the courts don't care. It doesn't matter. It has no bearing under our laws. And in fact, sometimes people think they're going to get something out of it because the other side cheated, and that's just not the case. Not having to deal with this in an already very difficult divorce process actually makes the whole thing much easier and a little more streamlined. For a free one-hour divorce consultation, go to TresslerLaw.com or use my talk keyword divorce. Welcome back. That song means we're going to talk about the movies, maybe some books. Chris Hewitt is here from the Star Tribune. You do it all now, Chris, right? I know everything. <laughs> I know it. It has been a long time since we've seen you in the studio. I, I, I'm well, trying to think when I was here last. Uh, only one of you was here. Yes. It was maybe like six weeks ago. Yeah. It's been a while. 
Yeah. It's been a miss you. Likely me out of town. Yeah, I want to say, were you and in I, Paris or somewhere? Maybe. I think that's true. And yeah. I just want to say to everyone who always says, Lori's always gone. I have the same amount of vacation time. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just don't go to Paris <laughs> right. or go to Mexico. <laughs> I just go to the cabin or stay at home. Yeah. But it's the truth. How are you? I'm good. Wonderful. How are you? We're great. We're great. We're ready to dig it down and hear about some movies. I mean, how happy were you that the strike ended and everything? Like, it was getting... Very. And, I mean, we're still, I guess, going to wait and see what the impact is. Right. Cause, well, I mean, we already know. Our favorite shows aren't back yet, mm-hmm. and they would be. But movie-wise, I'm very intrigued to see how much it's going to interrupt the flow. And I wonder if it won't because they always have so many things in the hopper and maybe it'll give new life to stuff that was going to get shelved. Maybe, or, you know, independent stuff maybe gets a, a better look than it would have gotten that's, otherwise. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm hoping. It almost is like this self-correction thing that happens. But they were out so long. I mean, yeah, I know. And they already moved a bunch. I mean, you know, we would have already been seeing that Dune movie, for instance, and we're not uh, seeing it now I'm until so next spring. I'm so depressed. I'm so depressed that we don't get to see it. We never even saw the first one. I did finally see did it. Did you? My, yeah. my kids liked it. I liked it. It, it was, was okay. fine. Yeah, Whatever. It was fine. I mean, half a movie never really does it for me. So. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that shade. <laughs> so, you know what? And you mean that because it's part two? Yeah. I mean, That's they like split mission, in half like Hunger Games. Mission yeah, Impossible. I don't like that. Yep. I don't like that. Okay, I let's, mean, Mission Impossible, I will say, to me at least, felt like a full movie, even though there was a little bit of a cliffhanger. A little mm-hmm. bit. But like sometimes right. you're like, okay, well, somebody walked out the door of one room and we didn't even get to see them walk in the door of the next room <laughs> yeah. because we just stopped the movie. To be continued. Yeah. To be continued. Okay, yeah. so let's take it down. So the new Hunger Games prequel movie, right? Yeah. yeah. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Okay. Or it might be snakes and songbirds. No, I think it's songbirds and snakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, so it's like about 60 years prior to the movies we know well with Jennifer Lawrence yes. and them. She's not yes. in this one. And the main character is the teenaged or maybe 20-ish version of the guy who's going to be played by Donald Sutherland in the other ones, President Coriolanus yeah. Snow. Yes. And this is, you could say, I guess, an origin story. He's We're finding out how he goes from being a really good guy to maybe not such a good guy who will eventually come to power and be a definitely not good guy. And Viola Davis is is a bad, evil person in this one, would you say? That's how she's described it on a couple of red carpets, that she had fun playing. A- she seems to be evil. It's possible that there's some motivation okay. that maybe will be revealed at some later point, if there are going to be more movies, which I don't know for sure if mm-hmm. there are. But yeah, she's got a big old afro with sort of a Cruella... Deville grayness in it, and she barks. She's on. I mean, I bet her she only had to work a week because okay. she like barks out eight <laughs> lines three or four times in the movie, and then hits the road. Yeah. But she's great, of course. Did you like this movie? You I kind of liked friend? it. Yeah. Here's the thing: I have not yet mentioned Rachel Zegler, mm-hmm. who in the advertising appears to be the star of the movie, right. and who is fantastic. She, of course, played Maria in West Side Story and was yes. fantastic yes, in that too. But she should be the main character in this movie, and she's not. She's a she's the second lead. But we spent a lot more time with this Coriolanus character, and he's boring, and he has a very bad dye job, and he's too skinny, and he's just kind of not very charismatic. So I love that. For think of how skinny he is in real life if he's too skinny on film. Yeah. Well, oh. and admittedly, hunger. 
You yeah, know, right, he hasn't right, been right. eating a lot, so he's supposed to be skinny. <laughs> yeah, right. That's true, Julia. <laughs> I forgot about the name of this. <laughs> no, I mean, my fault, too. But yeah. I, Is that the premise of the whole Hunger Games? Are these guys starving for food? Yeah. yeah and put yeah. against each it's other? It's a dystopian, re- it's a bad world that we're living in now, Julia. I yeah. just know the car. There, there, there's been a rebellion against the presiding government, and essentially in punishment, they're keeping a lock on supplies of food and starting the Hunger Games, which is the battle to the death, which, by the way, still happens in this movie too rachel zegler mm-hmm. is one of the contestants in the battle to the death i'm gonna i'm gonna hollywood speak you yeah 2.5 exactly i know mm-hmm. you i love knowing where you're gonna go that never misses i i really i love it because i know what you're describing uh but Maybe. that but still kind of fun yeah, I think it's I think it's worth seeing. Okay. Uh, and I'm not uh, also the biggest built-in Hunger Games person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you are, I think you'll probably have even more. You'll, you'll like it more. Interested in it, yeah. The- How about uh, this Napoleon? Joaquin Phoenix had had its debut in Paris, and he apparently did not answer any press. And one eyewitness account that I read said that people were laughing during Napoleon. And uh, Variety, The Hollywood Reporter, and The Rap all basically just said it was a snooze. And I, I'm having a hard time believing that Ridley Scott, Joaquin Phoenix, they made a bad movie? I, I wouldn't use snooze, and I wouldn't use bad movie. Okay, good. I would use... It is kind of a comedy. So the fact the fact that people were laughing is not necessarily a slap against the movie. Okay. It has this. I don't very, think a Napoleon is laughter. Well, that's the thing. It's a very strange movie to try to get a handle on okay. what they're trying to do. It's largely about the relationship Napoleon between Napoleon and Josephine. But did they love the, each other, or was it a whole mistake from the beginning? And he has this kind of very. Well, he speaks in the usual Joaquin Phoenix manner. There's no accent, and he's mumbling. Okay. And he, <laughs> it feels very contemporary. Uh-huh. Like, he meets, I think it's the Emperor of Austria, comes into his, you know, grand Versailles-like mm-hmm. stateroom, and the two of them sit down, and Napoleon says to him, oh, it's nice to meet another emperor. And you're like, huh? is that the way people would have talked? <laughs> right. It's nice to meet someone on my level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thanks for coming. I've, I've been talking down to people for so long. Oh, uh, the emperors just never get a chance to get together. Is it too long? No, I don't think it's too long. It's like, it is probably two and a half hours, but it is, you know, an epic. It covers pretty much, it doesn't, we don't see him as a kid or anything, but it covers his entire military career. And it's partly about, he was a great military strategist, but a terrible leader. Yes. Is one thing that's going on. And the battle sequences, and believe me, I am not a battle sequence guy, mm-hmm. but the battle sequences are terrific. Okay. Really brutal. They're not going to yep. be for you. Casey will love that. I went to yeah. that ni- 1917 mm-hmm. one. I like that. You know, the Trench Warfare World War II, that movie? Yeah, that's a better movie than this one. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, You're giving it a two. I haven't figured uh, figured it out yet, yet, but Do I think wish- that's the right okay. neck of the woods. Yeah. Do you wish you had a .25 or .75 sometimes? <laughs> I have. I have. Because sometimes I think about, like, if you go to IMD, which I do have an IMDb page, and you rate movies there, one to ten. Right. That's much easier. Yeah. Because you can go like, yeah, that's a four or whatever. Because you get all the way to 10. There are little gradations. Yeah. Right. But going only to four, you really have to be exact. But it would be ridiculous to say, yeah, "Yeah, this movie is one in three quarters out of four (laughs) stars or one in seven eighths out of two stars. Let me do the math. I mean, I wonder if Ridley Scott and Joaquin Phoenix are going to get like maybe like they're going to get people going who are thinking they're getting like a gladiator version of Napoleon. I think expectations are part of the problem with the movie because you don't think it's going to be this kind of weird low-key comedy 
And you do think that team is going to be doing that again. And also you think Napoleon's going to be short, which they do not make any effort to make him be whatever. Oh, they don't? He, I mean, he was like, what, 5'2", five, 5'3", five, mm-hmm. something so like that? So they make nothing about his height. No, he seems How's to be. How's that Vanessa Kirby? Because I, we've liked her since yes. she was Margaret on the Crown, yes. and then she was in Mission Impossible. Do you like her as Josephine? Yeah, I think you'll like her again. Mm-hmm. She's a very feisty, spirited I'm trying to think. I think the very first time the two of them meet, they're sitting in chairs next to each other. She yanks up her dress and says, look down. You're going to want this for the rest of your life. Oh, my word. Yeah. yeah. That is, that's, that's bold. a racy. That's people bold. don't try that in your first date. No, I was going to say, try it. Try it. That's a good opening line. <laughs> and he says, it's nice to meet another emperor. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, right. he, doesn't, he doesn't say that there. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. Okay. So we saw... Um, uh, Paul Giamatti lesson and Stephen Colbert, and he's talking about the holdovers, and that one just keeps coming up and coming up. That it, you liked that, didn't you? It keeps coming up and coming up for me too because I saw it probably maybe five weeks ago mm-hmm. or so, but I'm still thinking about it. I really did like it a lot. It feels very much while you're watching it and as you think about it like a movie that was made in the 70s it's about you know small people and their interactions it's like it has a scene that actually quotes five easy pieces and it's set in 1970 and it just has that kind of low-key let's investigate what is making these people behave the way that they behave there's not a lot going on it's sort of a road movie these three people spend the holidays together three lonely people who connect to each other in interesting ways but yeah i liked it a lot so it's still it has a slow burn kind of to it. It's not. Yeah, you're sort of <laughs> spending the whole movie. Excuse me, wondering. <laughs> My friend was trying yeah. to explain this movie yeah. to me, and she said it's hard to explain this movie. But, but I still want to see it. Paul Giamatti is fabulous in it. He is, and even better actually is Vivian Joy Randolph. In fact, I think she might win I an love Oscar her. for it. Really, really. The holdovers. All right, she's outstanding. She plays the cook at this boarding school where the three of them are spending the holidays because okay. they're alone. And uh, I'm going to get you water. I know oh, he's going to yeah, get sorry water. About that. I got no, it. I'm fine no, now. no worries. Um, we should. I was looking over at you because Chris always brings us licorice or nebs. So thank you. So we're eating those and talking, and then you have no water. Um, no, no, I'm good now. Okay, so what have you seen Maestro, the Leonard Bernstein movie yet? Speaking of odd movies, thank you very much. Uh, I have. Okay. All right, well, I feel like we should take a quick, quick, quick break. Let's take a quick, quick, quick break. We're going to come back and hear. I'm dying to hear the review on this. This, to me, looks phenomenal. We're going to take a quick break. Chris Hewitt from the Star Tribune is with us. We'll be right back. We are absolutely delighted to have our dear friend here with us, Chris Hewitt from the Star Tribune, who now does movies and also does books, and you they keep adding to your plate, and we're never going to let you go because there's so much to talk to you about. I've got just two feedback things before we get to Leonard Bernstein's movie review okay. um, on Napoleon. Yeah. Um, from our French correspondent, Tony, she says that the French think it is very American. She says... Um, it's getting raked over the coals in, in France. The French don't like it, except for the battles, which you mentioned. But the French critics, they're like, this are extremely snooty and say, Hollywood, this is all Hollywood and not a French film. Okay. Fair. And then um, Stacy said, fun fact, Napoleon was average height at the time. He was, he, it was propaganda for his enemies to put out there at the time to belittle him. It's just become what we think is true. Uh-huh. Like the... Mandela effect. All right. So there you go. There you go. So it was, we remember my people are very little. You know, I come from the old country. <laughs> I mean, 
my dad, okay, they're on. very short. So go to Leonard Bernstein. Yes, Maestro. Maestro. Which, uh, like uh, Napoleon and, oh, we haven't talked about Saltburn yet, but opens next Wednesday. And and then we'll be on Netflix later on. It is Bradley Cooper writing, directing, starring, and producing as and playing Leonard Bernstein. And Carrie Mulligan plays Felicia Bernstein. And it is, I again, it's, you know, you sort of think, oh, it's a biopic. But it's much stranger than you expect oh. it to be. And my take on it is I think it's trying to work like music works, not like movies work. So it's all about scenes that establish a mood or that give you kind of a tonal thing. It isn't like this is where Leonard Burn, you know, like we don't see him as a kid either. We meet him when he's uh, in the forties. I think he's like 25 or something like that in bed with a man. And uh, we see kind of the glimpses of his career building mm-hmm. and also glimpses of him meeting this actor who's Carrie Mulligan as his ultimately wife, Felicia and the sh- focus ends up being a little bit on does he love music more than people and is he gay is he bisexual what's the story there mm-hmm. and the movie doesn't really try to define any of this it mm-hmm. just sorts of gives us little glimpses into their lives and lets us kind of put the pieces together in a way that i kind of liked his kids liked it they yes. endorsed this movie yeah they helped with it's based mm-hmm. on his uh bernstein's daughter's book mm-hmm. and i would say like if you are going cuz you're like I want to know the Leonard Bernstein story that you're not really going to get it. But if you want to have that idea, well, that's head. what I would well, think of a biopic. No, but I mean, yeah. but like, do you think of Leonard Bernstein as someone who you want to know? I mean, he's not the most Maybe obvious not. biopic, but, but it subject. is presented as a biopic. I would want to know his life story. Yeah. You're not going to get, it maybe is a you'll want further study to get the life story, okay. but you do feel like you get a sense of his connection to music. Mm. And there are long scenes. In fact, there's one. I bet it's three minutes long in this Ely Cathedral in England where he's conducting a symphony by Mahler. And we don't see the orchestra. We don't see this gorgeous cathedral. We don't see the audience there. It's it's solely focused on Leonard Bernstein conducting the whole time. And you really well, you get a sense of the work Bradley Cooper did because mm-hmm. he's phenomenal. Six and a half years, and he's you forget wanted, it's him. Six and a half years, he's wanted to do this in practice, conducting and everything. I mean, it paid off because he's, and we also see him playing the piano for that matter too. But it's all really about this kind of like almost beatific look wow. on Leonard Bernstein's face that you never see when he's looking at a person. So yeah, oh, interesting. So music moves him. Basically. I think that's the thing, mm-hmm. and there are no, a number of times when he says something very similar to that in the movie too. That you know, music is what what drives me. Not people. Yeah. Or relationships. Okay. And so I think the movie does capture that. Is it a two and a half? No, it's a three. I All think right. it's a three. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm wrong. Okay. Salt, Sorry about that. It's Saltburn. Yeah. That movie. You couldn't even lie to me, Chris. <laughs> Carrie Mulligan, yeah. Carrie Mulligan again. Again in Saltburn. She only has a small part in that one. It's a little bit Brideshead Revisited, a little bit Talented Mr. Ripley, and a little bit other things that I maybe shouldn't talk about, but Barry Keegan, who was nominated for an Oscar this most recent time, he was in the, um, Irish movie. In a Sharon. In a Sharon. And that neither of us have seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I refuse. I know what happens. My mom loved it. 
He's very good in it, too. Yeah, very know. sweet mm-hmm. and sad. Uh, anyway, he plays this guy who goes to boarding school and talks about the difficult circumstances he's come from, and he doesn't seem to have much money. Everybody at the boarding school, this is in England, does have money. And one of them, played by Jacob, Jacob Elordi, Elordi from Priscilla, mm-hmm. uh, invites him to his family's home for a holiday, and his mom, Rosamund Pike, is there, and his sister, I'm forgetting the actor's name, Richard E. Grant, plays his dad. And immediately the vibe is weird. And you sort of don't understand this family, which seems very out of touch and inappropriate. And he kind of insinuates himself into the life this of this family. Um, yeah, they're a. Uh, it's it's a it's really about the collision of classes and uh, cultures that occur, and we gradually become aware of an agenda that we maybe didn't know at the beginning. Oh. It's kind of a little bit suspenseful. It's strange. Well, and the it's British very, sounds good though. I mean, don't you think no, the British like aristocratic it. rules and stuff are like, I don't think we got a little taste of it, Julia, and ladies of London. Yeah. But they are so snotty. And all the inbreeding. Snotty. Yes. And, yeah. So <laughs> it's true. But like, it's a that movie. That line was just used on the Housewives of Salt Lake. <laughs> oh, really? A woman said, Do to I woman, look inbred to you? And <laughs> the other woman said, Yes. <laughs> as a matter of fact, you do. <laughs> Not a compliment. No. no. But yeah, it's made by Emerald Fennell, who made Promising Young Woman yes. with Carrie Mulligan. Mm-hmm. And even more than that, it means to kind of push our buttons. There are some very shocking things, one of which I can't even describe. Oh, okay. But um that happened in the movie. Some very shocking things okay. happened. I want to go see this though. It's mm-hmm. I'm intrigued. Yeah, you won't be bored. There's no way anyone would be bored of this movie. Okay. And, and but Jacob Alardi, Allard, let's talk about him. Okay, so he's doing this press. Or you describe it. So he, well, he did a GQ interview and he just dissed um, the kissing booth quite you know, badly. That it was just bleep, and that you know he'd never. I just you know very clueless that that many people get their start on their way to being a movie star by starting in fluffier thing. I mean Spagoli, you know, Fast Times. I mean yeah. this is he just seemed to Own be it. he yeah, he was not owning it and he gave even very, very, very overwrought answers to fashion questions. So he's gonna he's having trouble adjusting to his new status. He might be a pretentious young man. That's Maybe exactly that's what, what he is. is. And that's what he is. He said, I've already given him the t- that. My mom I'm, hated him as Elvis and Priscilla. She didn't like that movie and she did not think he was a good Elvis. Well she would like an Elvis movie that's a little bit more uh <laughs> Elvis Friendly. Yeah, Elvis Friendly, right? Yeah. <laughs> EF. Well, and she said it wasn't even that. She said, I knew. She said, I was an Air Force wife. I know, you know, I was a girl of the 50s. She knew what, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that. She just felt that the movie was very long and didn't go anywhere. You didn't ever feel like you knew much about Priscilla, Priscilla and she thought there was too much mumbling. Yeah, well, I definitely think that's, I mean, that's sort of a Sofia Coppola thing anyway. But yeah, there was a lot of mumbling in that movie. Yeah. I mean, if I had to pick between, and I know you were a fan of the Baz Luhrmann Mm -hmm. Elvis and this, I might actually go with this just because like the style of this more. But yeah, it is a little meandery. Yeah. And I didn't love Priscilla either. But You didn't? I think you only gave it two stars. I think that's about right. But Mm -hmm. I might have given Elvis even less. 
Yeah, you really? were, you did you not, did not like, like the Elvis. No, one. I didn't. I didn't learn anything about Elvis from that, except for you know that he went to Elvis. I, I guess the uh, yeah the objectable thing about that movie was that it's too much through the eyes of Colonel Tom Parker. That right. was the thing I did Tom, not like about it. We learned a lot about him. Yeah, yes. we did. And there was some sort of a list that came out yesterday, like when one character ruined a movie. Movie, you know. Oh, yeah. And um, I'll I'll show it to you. But he he he, he came that out movie. Like, yeah. That's what people thought. Huh, mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that list idea. How All about right. the Killers of the Flower Moon? Did you You're end welcome. up liking that? He um, loved it. Yeah? No, he loved the book. Well, I mean, of course, who didn't love that I book? I know, yeah. Everything. Uh, and I know a lot of people are objecting to the movie because it's not very much like the book. It tells mm-hmm. the story in a completely different way, and it is a much different oh, vibe. And it, Yeah, it's the book is kind of structured like a mystery like you don't know what's going on and it gradually is revealed right in the movie you know exactly what's going on from the very beginning mm-hmm. and it's told from more from the point of view of the indigenous people which seems like a smart choice right um and i kind of like the idea that the book still exists people are yeah. still going to mm-hmm. discover and love that book but the movie is a different thing that sort of looks at the story from a different angle and uh, so, yeah, I did like the movie quite a bit, but people should be ready to know that it's not, here's this book I love, I want to see it put on screen. Mm-hmm. Do you think, though, because I, I, there was something about, you know, when movies are just too long, why can't, you know, the expectation of a director to make us sit through three and a half hours? And that the couple <laughs> independents gave people an intermission and then they got yelled at by the studio. I mean... Uh, is it is it egregious? I mean, do you feel like these guys just think, oh, people are going to love to sit through this long? All I've heard is it's so long, and that's what scares me. I mean, it is three and a half hours. Yeah, that's a that's a so half a day. To me, that's it didn't. <laughs> I think your math you know, might be a little off. But there, in, but... in, a, in a work day, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Depending on if you're working from home or in the office, <laughs> could, could he have edited that movie? I mean, sure, okay. but I would say, and I certainly think plenty of movies are too long, even much shorter yeah. movies than three and a half hours, but I think uh, it merits the length. All I right. think it's a story that needs length. Perfect. We're going to come back and you're going to be with us. We're not ever letting you leave. <laughs> this is my talk, Lori and Julia, always live, always. You can listen to us anywhere, anytime on the My Talk app and all the shows on My Talk. We're going to take a quick break.